Are you one of the only on your job? Do you wonder why the same type of people continue getting promotions? Have you dreamed of getting to the top but don't know how? Welcome to Secrets, a podcast devoted to showcasing dilemmas faced by underrepresented employees in their quest to climb the career ladder. Your hosts, Keith Powell and Ricky Robinson, have experienced the corporate grind for more than 20 years. Now they want to share adventures, pitfalls, and C-suite secrets that they've learned along the way. So let's fill up those cups and get started. Hey everybody, welcome to Secrets. Ricky, what's on your mind today, brother? Man, well today I'm excited, but I'm a little sad, right? Because today is the last episode of season one. Wow, wow, we, we finally made it. You know, I was just, I was thinking about it, and I was like, man, we kind of did that shit. We you did know what it. I'm saying? We did <laughs> we it. We kind of did that shit. 20 in, 20 episodes in, you're right. And I hope that the... Uh, the stories and the receipts and the secrets that we've shared along the way have helped everybody improve your brand and your performance this year. You know, Keith, as I'm thinking about the journey for this season, man, we spent a lot of time really trying to make sure that we came up with the right topics and whatnot. But I think we're at that point where we're going to probably, what, take a few weeks off to assess our performance, you know, to to look at some uh, some more data, to kind of retool some things, and return with some more hot fire. Absolutely. We got more for you. We're not done yet. 20 episodes. We're just getting started. So in today's episode, we'll actually discuss our season one journey and kind of rate our performance. And we'll provide some receipts on performance reviews and whether or not they're effective. And we'll close out today and our season with a double dose of secrets on how to set yourself up for your performance review and how organizations can improve their performance review processes. Man, well, look, I think I think this is a, a, a perfect time, man, because especially given the end of the year, <laughs> you yep. know, this, this is a is good it. time to really just take stock of all of it. So think about it, Keith. I'm thinking about this season one journey, man, and we're sitting at the same place that we now call our studio. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> right. We my, sitting, my dining room table, by the yeah, way. Yeah, we were sitting here and trying to figure out, you know, a way to share our corporate experiences at scale, right? Yep. I mean, everybody that would ask us random questions and they were like, oh, this is great. You should be recording. You should be recording. That's right. And, you know, we were kind of skeptical thinking, eh, ain't nobody sure. going to try to listen yeah, to this. Yeah, we never nobody, know. We never <laughs> you know. Nobody want to listen to this. And I think about it now is, I'm just grateful that we have this platform and we do not have like a shortage of material. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. We got so much more to give. And uh, just reflecting on season one, as you think about your favorite moments from this season, what were some moments that stood out for you? What was the moment that kind of you're like, oh, that was fun? Well, you know, it's, it's actually funny because, I mean, regardless of what people might think. Mm hmm. We're really just having fun and talking. We about are. Shit, we right? just having like, fun. And and the one uh, episode or the one thing that kind of comes up to me is when we're talking about microaggressions and dealing with like the what people think their perceptions of what they think you should be doing or yep. what you think you should be driving yeah. or even like the external static. And the story about Big Red. Big like, Red's been popular this year, Ricky. Look, man. Big Red. Everybody keeps talking to me about Big Red. They want to see the pictures of the truck, you know, and this, that, the other. And I just laugh because 
again, we take a lot for granted. You know, I yeah, just go do. to work, man, and I just knock out what I need to do. And I'm not really worried about kind of what I'm driving or something like that. But it humanized us. And it made people think like, hey, well, I guess they're kind of regular people. It did. It, it totally did. And I remember people still now as they're even ramping up and listening to our episodes, just talking about, man, that episode of microaggressions really, really just spoke to me. I didn't even realize I was doing some of that stuff, mm -hmm. right? Or just the external static and not even realizing that it was there, but just having us articulate it and people are like, yes, I'm dealing with that shit too. Yeah, I get, oh, oh, that's what you call that. Yes. Right. <laughs> that's what you're saying. Right. Oh, that's what it is, you know? What about you, Keith? What about you, man? Yeah, I think about those episodes we did kind of after kind of getting through that microaggression external static where we were starting to help people kind of build their skills, mm -hmm. right? And when we were starting to talk about total comp and developing an exit strategy and building on your personal brand, I really feel like we were giving people the juice <laughs> right. at and, that point in time, right? And, and we're giving it to them based off of mistakes or areas where we didn't fully leverage right. our capabilities or, or the skill sets that we had, yeah. you know, at the point. Mm -hmm. So we're telling them from experience, we're not making the shit we're up. We're not man. making it up. That's right. And that, I mean, that was the whole genesis of Seekers is really for us to be able to share what we've learned so you don't have to go through that stuff anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and it's almost like when you start thinking about hindsight is 2020, woo, if I would have known then known what I know now, you know, but we're actually trying to reverse that paradigm yep. to some degree. I think about, I mean, and this is just an incredible year. This in year terms been of, crazy. In, in terms of all of the things that could possibly happen this year alone. You couldn't have imagined it in January. You can't make the stuff up. And, and honestly, look, we were talking about doing a ton of this work well before, well before the pandemic, right? That's I mean, right. we had to shift up our business model. We had to shift up some things and maybe move some some recordings Episodes around. around. Like yep. we, we had to do all of that stuff. But one of the ones that kind of sticks out for me is when we talked to our sister, Barbara Lee. Oh, boy, she brought some fire. Man, she was over here talking about reparations. She was. <laughs> I think about that today. And it was it was amazing because... I just saw her like her being interviewed on CNN. Yep. Like mm -hmm. last week. You know, I was mm -hmm. texting you. I'm like, yeah. she's she on, she my on girls CNN. on CNN. That's right. And she, hell, she may be replacing Kamala. We don't know yet. Yeah, it could be. But you know, the thing that struck me the most about that conversation with Barbara Lee, and then when we look at the election and how that happened, and you start thinking about like the generational differences in terms of voting and what it means to people, you know? And I just thought that was like huge as now we're in this pandemic and at some point we will be probably going back to work, but you see your coworkers, whether it be on virtual or whatever the case is. And a lot of them, again, as we talked about before, like voted to keep things the same. Yeah. Yeah. Which is <laughs> you know crazy, which is crazy. You know? But this year kind of flipped shit around on that stuff when, just the coronavirus, George Floyd, Omar Aubrey. All, I mean, just all of these incidents that happen. We can't go back. Things are going to be different. And so kind of for me, as we have been winding down the season, uh, that stuck out for me was last couple episodes that we've done around being your authentic self and allyship and how it's important to kind of 
be open and vulnerable and share your stories. And I think the whole thing with George Floyd, it kind of prompted those conversations where people finally could open up and just start to talk. And actually, people would, were open and receptive to listening. Yeah, you know, we were doing a um, virtual speaking event just recently, and someone was asking questions about being your authentic self. And I mean, again, I'll say it so that everyone can hear it today. If 2020 taught you nothing else, it was that you have a license to be you. Yes. You have a license to be your authentic self. Now, the struggle is you have to figure out how comfortable you are with being yes. your authentic Absolutely. self. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, again, mm-hmm. don't ask me how my weekend was if you really don't want to know. If you really don't want to know. That's right. <laughs> exactly. That's right. That's right. But you have to be comfortable sharing and you have to use those as teachable moments, right? But to that point, you know, when you were talking about being vulnerable, I think it's also for people who say they want to be allies. Yeah. Right? And, and for them, it's, I think this moment has given them a chance to understand when we're telling our stories and talking about the oppression and talking about your privilege and the power that you have and how it impacts us. We've had a chance to pause this year and really absorb that and reflect on what that actually means. And hopefully it will lead to more positive uh, conversations in the future. So Keith, as you think through like our actual performance this year, how do you think we did? Oh boy. <laughs> Actually, I mean, like you said, I mean, when we started this season, we were, we had no idea what to expect at the end of the year. And I, I would say if I had to grade ourselves, I'd say we exceeded our expectations. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So, right. but I think about things like our social media platforms and we really want to thank everybody, but we literally have thousands of people who are following us, liking our pages, loving our content. And so for me, that's a big success. We didn't, we didn't know what was going to happen when we just put stuff out on social media, right? And some of that stuff, we were making in-game decisions. Yes. You yes. know, it was like, honestly, we just thought, podcasts. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, we get all of these other arms that come off of it. And then you know how we get down. Like, we... We don't want any funky finger production. No, not you know at what I'm all. saying? Not we want to try to do everything <laughs> we can to make sure that this comes off the way that we want it to, right? Yeah, because for sure. not only are we representing our own brands, but we have people out there who are looking up to us and this is their brand. So you don't want to be trying to recommend secrets to your friends and then it's yeah. a bad yeah, recording this thing is or, you like, know, or something's like you know, a mess. A we, hot we, mess. We, we, we didn't want that. So, we didn't I, want so, that. I, so I, I appreciate that. I, I also look at For me, where I am extremely proud in terms of like our performance, because at the end of the day, it's the results that you look at, right? So I think about how many of our mentees that we've been able to get new experiences for, help them get promotions, advocate for themselves. Um, raises we they got their brand That's right yeah okay they, they listened to those total cop episodes <laughs> they got that brand exactly and and they, I think it was through being proactive and leading or being responsible for those conversations or those dis- discussions they could hold people accountable but they could also hold themselves accountable yes. right and I think that's probably one of the best parts of what we do is when we get emails. Like the one we just got this morning. I mean, amazing. All of these things are the text messages, like all of those accolades that we're getting where people are saying, thank you for helping me believe in me. Yeah. Thank you for walking me through 
exactly what, what I needed to, to say. That's right. <laughs> you and know, giving me something to, to think it. about and, and how I'm doing my thing. Yeah. And you know, I'm I'm data guy, so I'm gonna go back to some data too. It just when you look at our podcast downloads, I mean they just continue to grow. We we monitor these things every week and they just continue to grow, which we're very excited about. And all of our reviews so far are five star. Now we may not be able to hold it, but we're trying to hold it <laughs> at the end of the day. We want to be that Michelin five star podcast that everybody comes to. Yeah, and look, and I think just learning about this, look, we're our own IT guys. You know, we have marketing people and agencies that work for us and this, that, and the other. But we're learning how to do this as we go and and being able to still deliver. I mean, I'm laughing because my brother shot me a text um the other day and he was like, Man, this election episode is for real, man. <laughs> when y'all gonna let me be on the podcast? <laughs> I'm dying. But it's stuff like that where it's like you kind of take it for granted yeah. how each episode probably impacts people, right? So, but I think through as you're thinking through like the the downloads and how we see them increasing every like every week, and it's I get it. Everyone doesn't listen at the same time, but you can literally see visually see people catching up you know people catching up right but i think through like i mean we thought that maybe in year number two or three we'd start doing some speaking engagements you know and that actually changed significantly uh with covid and the yeah. virtual nature but it actually changed and turned out to be for the better yeah. right because yeah, it did actually. we were able to do i mean three four events in a week yeah. When we probably would have only been able to do one or two, <laughs> you know, given the travel and whatnot. And I don't think it lost any firepower or anything like that. But we were able to get those speaking engagements at some major corporations. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for I sure. Just, like that. Yeah, was we weren't expecting we that at all. No. And it was all it's all been passive. Right. Yeah. We, we're not doing any outreach. Yeah. I mean, and, and to that point, I mean, again, as our listeners Think through, like, it might be great to have them speak at our ERG event or have them speak at whatever it is. Just ask. Yep. Hit us on the, on hit, the, on hit the podcast. Up. Hit us up. I mean, hit us on the uh, website. Hit us on the, on LinkedIn, whatever it is. Yeah, we'll try and make it work. We'll, we'll work something out. We have to be honest with ourselves, too, Ricky, yep, at the end yep. of the day, right? So we all have areas for improvement when we're thinking about our performance. And so I want to keep it real. And there's some things that, that Ricky, as we've started kind of our initial assessment of season one, that we're looking at. And as Ricky said, I mean, we've been doing a lot of learning as we go and doing a lot of things. And we realized that we we got to get our business rhythms right, right, just in terms of how we're operating and how we're doing this thing so it's not as much work. Yeah, uh, and so, so we can work smart. As so we, we tell you all, right. we want you to work smart and you should know what and when to expect what from us. Right. That's right. That's exactly right. And in all honesty, we want our merch sales to go up. We need your help to do that, but that's on us to to build our marketing engine and everything else so that it actually want makes you want to buy. And so we got to improve that. And I think another thing for us is as we move into season two, we really want to create some higher engagement opportunities. We were Focus really on getting the content out this year, but we really weren't focused on engaging with you. And so figuring out how to engage better on our website with our content and on our social media platforms is definitely an area that we're going to be looking at uh, for the next year. Yeah. So I'm excited about it, man. But I started thinking about given that time of the year and we're 
sitting back here evaluating our performance and patting ourselves on the back for doing certain things. Well, as we're thinking about that performance, it has me thinking about how each of us should be preparing for our year-end performance reviews at work, right? Absolutely. Because we're, we're thinking about our performance review now. Yep. <laughs> okay. Yep, like right. you know, we're, doing, so, we're doing it. So, but if you don't put in the time, the proactive time here, this can really be a bit of a trap. Yo, you, for right? sure. If you go up for in sure. here unprepared, you know, and thinking that you're just going to freestyle and through osmosis, right. I'm going to get this right. That's right. No, it ain't going to happen. Yeah. No, it ain't it's, it's, happen. It's, it's nothing like getting surprised doing a performance. For sure. And yeah, this performance reviews are tricky because, and, and really, Ricky, I mean, part of the thing with with performance reviews is almost like accounting, right? You're, you're looking back, you're recording history, right? It's like a historical record versus focusing on the future. So that's what makes it kind of tricky and potential trap. And I know like, you always have some great stories. So I just want to ask you, you know, do you remember a time when your performance review didn't go quite as well as you expected? Well, you know, I, I do have a, a couple of scenarios. And let me just be clear. So I've never received a bad performance evaluation, like mm-hmm. the, the overall. Yeah. But it sure was some slick shit in the performance, in the performance review. review. That That's really right. made me... If I could raise my eyebrow like like The Rock right now, mm-hmm. I would. That's what I was looking. In. But I mean, I can remember. So I I, I remember getting a review one time, and um, and, and look, this happens to the best of us, right? You never know who your boss is going to be, right? So I had a I had a a peer that ended up being my boss, okay. and I felt some kind of way about him getting promoted, but I you know it was okay. But the real part about it was okay. Let me be as productive as I can to make him look good. Look good, right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and truth be told, I helped train him to of get course. him to where he of wanted course. to be, right? Doesn't like, that always happen with us? Hey, that's the way it was, you know. And um and I recall when he ended up being my boss, he would say, Hey, you don't call me enough. You know, I need to like and it was one of those things where I just said to myself, what is it that he wants me to call exactly. him about? Y'all like in a relationship? Or well, something? that wasn't like that. I know, no. It was kind of like he. I guess he wanted to know kind of what I was working on, and he wanted to feel like he can help me or this, that, and the other. And you know, look outside of giving him the regular status reports and telling him what was happening and this, that, and the other, really wasn't a lot for us to do, right? And just trying to make sure he didn't have any surprises. But lo and behold, that review came out, and that Joker must have said to me. You don't call me enough. I don't know what you're working on. Then I said, dude, we speak on a regular basis and I provide for you a status update and this, that, and the other. And I said, and you're a little bit younger. I finally had to just say, you know what I think this means is I think what might be best for this relationship is you probably should have someone on your team that's probably at a lower level in terms of their experience so that you can coach them to be the way that you want them to be. Because I don't mean to hurt your feelings by you not being able to ask me questions. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? But I don't want to undermine your leadership. There you, you know, go. Either, there right? you, go. you know, so at the end of the day, that relationship didn't work out. I got, you know, he gave me some, some, some janky, you know, janky feedback stuff. and I ended up leaving. Okay. And, and, there and you again, go. you know, the stats show, People don't quit their jobs; they quit their bosses. There you right? go. That and happens I quit a lot of times. Let you me tell you, you, I quit his ass. Okay, so so then um, 
I got another one like in the not too distant like past where I think I even said this on one of the episodes. I got a review and everything is good, but there was some stuff on there. Was hey when Ricky uh, when I've asked some people about Ricky, they didn't like him at first and now they do. Man. I work in human resources, man. I'm not in here making friends, man. Like, if I'm not telling you what you want to know sometimes or what you want to hear, you might feel some kind of way about it, right? But my question in my mind, I was like, well, who did he talk to? Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because if you talk to certain people, I'm yeah, sure they're going to give you a totally different it, story. It'd be different, right? And then the, the kicker was is, well, Ricky doesn't really. Uh, appreciate talent like we do he's not like a talent you know ambassador or just that and the other and i was like wow so in my mind like they don't know how many people i'm helping in the background and, and like i'm not the person that's pointing at the back of my jersey every time i make a good play do you know what i mean or every time i'm helping people i like to make sure that people get their shine but what that told me in both of those situations in my adult wisdom it told me that i needed to do a better job educating and bringing people up to speed on the things that I'm doing, okay, and being able to kind of translate not just the what, but the how, because I guarantee you, once I talk to them about why that feedback concerned or bothered me on this forever document called a review, (laughs) you know, I think then it made them look at me differently, right? Mm -hmm. But again, I was kind of being quiet about the situation because I didn't realize that that was an issue. But now I had to make sure that I was boisterous or loud. Right. Know about yeah, it, yeah, right? Yeah. So them was the-, the, the Had to get a little black in your voice. Man, they had, to, had, <laughs> they had to get that work. They had to get that verbal work from me, you know? But, but again, I think uh, as we started kind of speaking to some of those situations or scenarios, I wasn't really expecting to get that type of feedback, but I had to figure out- how to like navigate around it and try to be more proactive moving forward. What about you, Keith? Yeah, yeah. No, and that's really interesting. A uh, couple stories there. And some of it in my mind as I'm processing that, it kind of points to some of that systemic bias that's mm-hmm. an actually inherent in performance reviews, right? You just kind of get that feedback that's like, uh, it doesn't quite make sense or sit with you well. And I remember one of my first reviews where I got that old meeting expectations mm-hmm. uh, thing <laughs> and I was pissed. Right. Because it's like, because the feedback, like you were saying, I mean, it really didn't have to do anything with what I was doing. Like, it was more the developmental what's... things. Exactly. Right. And it's always too quiet or uh, not aggressive enough or j- just those little passive aggressive verbiage uh-huh. that had nothing to do with the fact that I was putting points on the board. I was scoring like LeBron. Yeah, exactly. Right? You was already <laughs> getting assists and shit and nobody right. counting the assists. Yeah. <laughs> right. Somebody had to pass you the ball. Pass you the ball. That's right. And so you're going to focus on that stuff and give me any expectations where when you look at all the, the things that I actually did, I blew everybody else out the water. Which brings up a point is how many times when you're behind the scenes helping get projects over the finish line, mm-hmm. you know, helping companies with their diversity numbers, this, that, and the other. Sometimes they don't see that. They don't see that stuff. Right? They don't see it, but then But they take credit for it. I was going to say, they're quick to take credit for the work that you did, right? And culturally, we know that depending on where you're from sometimes, you're not quick to raise your hand or you're not quick to be the first one to say something in the meeting, but that doesn't 
equate to a lack of intelligence, a lack of engagement. It doesn't That's equate right. to any, any of those stuff. things. So it starts to make me think to some degree here about like these reviews, right? <laughs> you know, yeah, the so, impact like the have. impact on these reviews or these these performance reviews is like they're rarely motivating. No, no. Like, I they, mean, suck, they suck the life out of you yeah, most they, of the time, right? And and this is why sometimes we procrastinate in trying to get shit done. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Because it's like, okay, let me see how I can kind of craft this, right? Like they rarely inspire you to give more, yeah. okay? It's kind of like a, a check-the-box exercise for most companies, yeah, right? And, exactly. and, and again, this, this is this how I feel yeah, about it, sure. and, I, and it can sound kind of emotional at times, but... You know, Keith, are there, are, are there any receipts that you can provide for us as we start to think about the reviews and like that's the performance review process? Any receipts that you could provide for our listeners? We always got some receipts. Cha-ching. Always got some receipts. And so we'll actually just these receipts today, the end of the season is just going to focus on some dilemmas that come with performance reviews that we all just need to sit in for a minute. And so receipt number one. According to Gallup, only 14% of employees strongly agree that their performance reviews inspired them to improve. This is just what you were just talking about, right? And traditional performance reviews and approaches to feedback are often so bad that they actually make performance worse for about a third of the people. Meaning, like, after you give me some shady shit. I'm like, well, hell, I've been busting my ass. Why, why am I going to work as hard as I was doing our, you know, before, right? right? Well, I'm going to do this stuff, right? And being the money guy, I had to look at the dollars, too. And it actually costs organizations lots of money to do these performance reviews. The estimates are somewhere between $2.5 million to $35 million a year is lost in working hours for an organization that has 10,000 employees to do these performance evaluations. It ain't got shit to show for it. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing changed. Maybe even got worse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, we're talking about the demotivating factor, you know, uh, surrounding yeah. it. So <clears throat> receipt number two in that same Gallup, you know, poll, it also found that when managers provide weekly you know, feedback versus annual, okay, team members are a little over five times more likely to strongly agree that they receive meaningful feedback. Okay, frequency. Exactly. It also showed that 3.2, a little over three times, that those individuals are three times more likely to strongly agree that they are motivated to do outstanding work. Mm -hmm. So the more you talk to me. More to talk to me. the hard I'm going to work for. There you go. <laughs> you know, and a little over two and a half times more likely to be engaged at work. I mean, this is not like rocket science, right? right? This is like like simple stuff. It's easy right? stuff. And that's what we're talking about, like our rhythms. We can't have one heartbeat. We need a lot of heartbeats to breathe and to live. Exactly. And there's also a cultural aspect as well, right? Performance management systems work best within a culture of honest feedback where teams have a shared definition of excellence and with leaders who model what makes a great manager. Again, I marinated that last yeah, part yeah, of that, yeah. that. Those great managers, like you got to be visible and you got to you got to show the way. You can't check the box and talk to your your team about performance at the mid year and at the end of the year. Okay, because. The mid-year, you didn't miss five months. Exactly. You know, to be able to tell them exactly. in the moment feedback to, hey, you're doing a great job, but hey, maybe you could do this a little bit more. And then 
unfortunately, if you get some information in month 13 about what happened in the last 12 months, it's too late. It's too late. It's too late. So now I'm going to be salty. Exactly. Now I'm going to be salty because I'm going to be like, man, you saw me every day. You could have said something. You you quick to talk to me about the latest sports news, the latest, right. or when you needed help getting something across the finish line because you had a report due right. or something else. You, we could talk about that, mm-hmm. <laughs> but we can't talk about the other stuff. Yeah, for sure. And then you nitpicking me on stuff that you're not even doing yourself. Exactly. But, Ricky, receipt number three, in a leadership IQ study, they surveyed over 48,000 employees, managers, and CEOs to find out what they thought about annual performance review appraisal processes. Again, only 13% of employees and managers think their organization's performance appraisal review systems are useful. And to make it worse, only 6% of CEOs actually think those processes are useful. So they're asking me to do something that they don't even believe in either. Right. Nobody finds this shit has any use, and we spent all this time doing it. Okay. And now for HR people like you, Ricky, this is is not good. So 88% of those respondents said that their current performance review negatively impacts their opinion of HR. So they put the blame (laughs) on your ass. (laughs) It's it's, it's our fault. It's our fault. It's our fault. And when when, uh, Leadership IQ uh, asked, each employee, whether their performance appraisal was open, honest, and meaningful, only 17% of respondents said that that was always the case. So everybody lying. Yeah, we, we definitely have like an integrity and alignment issue here. Yeah. So we're, again, this points out we're doing something because it's what we've always done, yeah. but not necessarily doing it to create the right outcome. Yeah, we're checking exactly. The box. Check checking the, the box. We got to do it because we say we need to do it. Yeah. <laughs> somebody said we had to do it. I don't know right. who, who they are yet, but somebody said it. So listen, the last receipt also comes from that study, and it shows that 96% of employees, managers, and CEOs agree that a performance appraisal should differentiate high and low performance. Yep. And I think we all agree with that. Yeah. I mean, uh, you you should be able to point out. Who getting the work done? That's right. And who ain't showing up? That's right. <laughs> you know what I mean? to line up who's on the bench. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's simple. It's simple, right? But only 22% always think that their leader actually distinguishes between high and low performers. And again, not to take you off of this, yeah. but I can tell you I've read in my, in dog years, 100 years in HR, I've read performance evaluations did read the same. The same. No if it was like a, 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 a meets like a, yep. a meets rating, yep. or if it was like a, an above target, above target. Rating, rating. Yeah, just kind read of reads the same. the same, right? So it's kind of subjective to some degree. So as we're thinking through this, only fourteen percent of employees believe that their performance appraisal provides relevant and meaningful feedback. And only 28% of people believe that their leader always recognizes their accomplishments. Yeah. We were like, <laughs> we checking the box. We're just man, checking again. the box. We're just Still checking through the this. box. <laughs> Perhaps more disturbing, okay, and, and again, not to. I guess, pour too much uh, gasoline on this, but perhaps uh, more disturbing is that 54% believe that their leader never, rarely, or occasionally recognizes their accomplishments. Yeah, so you get no 
No credit for nothing. Right, right. No, no attaboys, added girls, <laughs> pats right. on the back. It's like, oh, you did oh you did that? Let's oh, okay, do your work. that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. All right. All right. <laughs> I feel like I'm back in the eighteen hundreds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or maybe sixteen, nineteen, I don't know. <laughs> but man, you know, we kind of dogged out performance reviews today, Ricky. But unfortunately, most of us can't escape them either. I mean, it's just one of those things that it's a necessary evil, man. Companies are doing it. And so uh Today, we're going to close out our season with a double dose of secrets. One set will be on how to prepare for your performance review. And the second set will be on how corporations can actually develop better performance review processes. So here are the three secrets we'll share today on what you, what you personally can do to prepare for your performance review and set yourself up for next year. Okay, so the three secrets are control your performance. Number two, ask critical questions at the end of your evaluation. And number three, do some pre-work leading up to your evaluation. Yes, they're all good. And so, you know, secret number one, and Ricky, you know my mantra, I say it all the time, control your performance before it controls you. I tell my mentees that all the time. Sometimes it's a little too late. A little if too you, late. If you're waiting on it to happen by itself. Absolutely. So you need to conduct a self-evaluation and document your successes and where you think you missed the mark, because that'll set you up for having those good, deep conversations when you actually get your review. And for the next year, set up those frequent feedback sessions. If they're not happening, ask for them anyway. So do that with your boss and document your achievements so that performance reviews aren't a surprise and you can actually have a more valuable conversation when the time does come for those formal feedback sessions. No, exactly. I I love that. I love that advice, Keith. And I think that being self-aware mm-hmm. is actually a positive. Yes, on it reviews, is. Right. Because look, in this year alone, we know you've had you, you've had to pivot and do things differently. Things that you oh, may have had goodness. on your review I guess on your your objectives yes. for the year, you probably Not had the to you probably had to pivot some things, Especially right? In a virtual environment, can't travel, can't see people. Can't. So, so, but if you haven't had a conversation with your boss before, then you, they might still be holding you accountable, right. you know, for the same stuff. For the same stuff. <laughs> for the same stuff. Uh huh. So, I'm thinking uh, in terms of secret number two, like at the end of your review. Ask the following questions like, what do I need to do to be more successful? What does my future look like? This is the perfect time in the review to ask, okay, I would like to be promoted. Yep. What more would you like to see from me for you to be able to sponsor me mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, for yeah. this promotion, right? Yeah. What things need to be true? In order for, for me to, to move forward. This, these are some of those questions that we're talking about as you're having the review. Absolutely. Right? And then if you're even thinking about what does my future look like, this is a, a good opportunity to remind them, hey, I would like to be I have a, ambition. Yeah, a functional leader. Mm-hmm. I would like to be whatever the role is. And this experience this year has helped me do that. Is there anything else that you would like to see me do or accomplish or other experiences that you would like to see me be a part of That's to right. make me better qualified Absolutely. for some of that. And you ask those questions, you've taken control of the conversation. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a wrap now because now their wheels are spinning and trying to figure out, hmm, maybe I was a little harsh or 
call this sucker wrong. Yeah. And and hopefully you've been having those discussions throughout the year. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, we know it don't happen. <laughs> we know it don't happen. And I think secret number number three kind of builds on that where we go to the front end of the performance review mm-hmm. where maybe a month or two before you even actually go in for that formal review, start to solicit some informal feedback from your boss and your colleagues about about the year, right? Ask these questions. How do you think the year went or what was your proudest moment? Right? You kind of get a sense then of where people's mindset is. And you can also kind of influence them a little bit since you're asking the question and like, okay, maybe this person did pretty good things. And ask also, is there anything you think we could have done better? And what do you think we should be focused on for next year? So as you're asking these questions, it will actually give you a preview of what's to come. And it'll also help you get your message right, get your mouthpiece right for when you used to have that performance review. So when stuff comes up, especially if it's not expected, that you have evidence, you got the receipts <laughs> exactly. to be able to respond to uh, to some of that feedback. You know, Keith, and I just think this is important. I mean, you, you had mentioned being able to, to some degree, take control of the conversation. I mean, you hear all of the time that you are the captain or the king or queen of your own career. Mm-hmm. And there's no better way to be able to do that than to, from an accountability standpoint, is the table stakes is you taking care of your job. Yes. You're doing what you're supposed to do. The extra stuff that's going to get you over the top is being a professionally and appropriately assertive yes. when you need to be, mm-hmm. okay, and figuring out what are those extra things, yes, you know, that yep. need to happen, right? Those and ones. again, these questions that you pose, it shows like awareness. Yes, you that's know? right. That's it shows right. awareness. This is the business acumen. This mm-hmm. is the this is showing up and being executive ready. Yes, you know, as we're talking about. That's right. That's right. So Keith, look, these are some great personal secrets, and again, I think. These are just our secrets, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, this, I, and this I'm sure there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a ton of them. ton of things that you can do. But we also have four secrets that companies can implement to improve their performance review processes, right? And mm-hmm. I know we were kind of like dumping on them earlier, yeah, right? Yeah, But like my man said, it ain't that hard. It ain't that hard. It ain't that hard, ain't right? That hard. Okay, so secret number one for companies is separate the performance review process from the merit increase process. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Please, please, please. Because one doesn't have anything to really do with the other, nope. right? Nope. Because if you don't get a, a high increase, it it's not necessarily equated to your performance. It could be equated to what, Mr. Finance Man? It's the budget. <laughs> exactly. That's right. At the end of the day, we set a budget. So even if you had... 90% of your people who are high performers, we still got a budget that we got to work within. So separate those things. And then think about this year. With this being a pandemic and COVID, there was a ton of companies where employees did not get increases. They That's didn't right. get merit That's increases. Right. That's right. So you didn't get a merit increase because you didn't perform well. Right. You got it because we ain't got no damn money. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know what. And that you're not getting that increase probably saved quite a few jobs as well, right? right? So again, the secret number one is separate the performance review process from the actual merit increase process. Yes, because there's a lot of money, a lot of emotion when you're picking in people's pocketbook. Absolutely, absolutely. For sure. And I think secret number two for, for companies is to do performance review calibrations across functions and across businesses, really to weed out 
performance rating bias, which means that you always have some people who are easy graders and you have some other people that are hard asses. And so having those cross-functional reviews helps take some of that bias out. It also will help with, as you're reading and comparing language, take out some of that microaggressive shit that goes on where you may see trends that say women are aggressive or certain people are too quiet and those things that that come up that you can weed out of the system. And also it weeds out some of that favoritism too. Yeah. When you have one of those calibration sessions, it's not just a rating. It's not just a rating. It forces that conversations of why did you do this? Exactly. And and you start to see, are you giving someone an, an above target rating or an exceeds or an exceptional just because they did their job? Like that's the table stakes, right? But, table now, stakes. but now you can start to compare and contrast and everyone can align right. as to what that looks like. And I think that's extremely helpful. For sure. Number three for companies is conduct training on constructive and culturally competent employee feedback and coaching. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because Woo. here it is, like if being vocal and being the first one to raise your hand If that's like a necessary component for success at your organization, do you need to call it out? Okay. Yep. Or if getting shit done when it's supposed to be done, collaborating across, you know, the organization or the team is important. Grade that. Yes. (laughs) Grade those things. Because again, that's how you go about getting your job uh, done. But again, some of our leaders aren't good. They're not good at it. At doing this. So it's like sometimes you might need to have some coaching or some role playing or whatever whatever it is to be able to deliver some of this good feedback, but also some constructive things too that does not violate someone's cultural restraints. For sure. And I think if anything with this year, if nothing else is pointed out that People aren't as down as they thought they were or knew as much about what was going on as they believed that they did. And and getting getting aligned with the privilege that you have and how to be culturally competent is super, super important now and should be like table stakes going forward for any of these companies at the end of the day. And secret number four for organizations is don't wait to do everything at the end of the year. Like we said, you should be having regular check-ins and feedback mechanisms to discuss performance throughout the year. And as we said earlier with use an individual, force it if it ain't happening, but companies should be just doing it. This should just be part of your rhythm. I mean, at the end of the day, performance should never, ever be a surprise. Right. You shouldn't go in here thinking like, what what, what are we going to talk about? Mm -hmm. Like, you already know. You you already know. You can spend time talking about the things we did well and and talking about where we see things going next year, talking about your career aspirations. Like, you could really spend a lot of time doing that if you've had a regular cadence of communication, a regular cadence of touch-based meetings. Absolutely. And and so when you go in, when the performance review happens, it's almost perfunctory. It's like, okay, let's just set ourselves up for next year. I know what happened this year. So, So look, Keith, I mean, this has been an amazing year. This has been a great episode as we're kind of bringing the season one to a close, but also providing like some secrets for um, our listeners. But what I want to make sure we do is point out 
that everything that if this is your first time listening or maybe you forgot, you know, yeah. some of the things that we talked about earlier, you can find these resources on Secrets. Yeah. Like on our website, yeah. you can go listen to the podcast and some of those receipts, you know, are there too. So we shared today a ton of information and you can also look in the show notes for this episode to figure out, you know, more things that you might have missed. For sure. And season one has been incredible, in my opinion. And I think we should take some of our advice to heart, you know, in terms of looking at our performance and prepping yeah. uh, for the next year. Right? <laughs> exactly. And so we plan on kicking off season two during Black History Month. That's it. Uh, right. And, and we've heard some of your feedback and, and we'll be seeking more over the break. Yeah. And I think, look, we already know, um, based on your input, that we're um, going to add more guests to the podcast. We're waiting on some confirmations now, but you're going to be doing, like I said, when I saw the names, yes. I was like, ooh, ooh <laughs> Exactly. But we're waiting to try to uh, work on having more guests. But we're also going to find more ways to show up and interact with you, right? Yeah. We're trying to work on some of our live features. We have some stuff coming on on our Patreon site soon here. And what I will say is we're going to just continue to bring you some of these hot fire topics. Like now that we're talking about the reviews, it's some of you will probably need to hear something like how not to get railroaded after getting your performance evaluation. There you go. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so we'll probably need to figure that one out moving forward. But we have so many topics. We have topics that we couldn't even give you this year because we was trying to react to some of the nonsense that was happening in the White House. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? For we sure. were trying to react to things in the moment that were happening. So I'll say to you, we're excited because we're getting topic suggestions from all of you, right? Yes. I mean, yep. people are hitting us up, and we're going to turn those in to some meaningful content and figure out how to uh, intertwine that in. No, I agree. And if you like what we're doing so far, here's how you can help us out, right? Use this holiday to catch up on season one if you're behind. Absolutely. And we can see the waves. So we know you're listening, and we can see the waves <laughs> and who's listening to what episode and how it's building. And again, if you use Apple, go on Apple Podcast and write a review for us. We're loving those reviews. We read them. The ratings, they're great. Follow us on LinkedIn. We're also launching a special LinkedIn group to kick off season two. So mm -hmm. look out for that. And again, check out our merchandise, our coaching services, and become a patron on Patreon. We're, we're, uh, we're planning to launch some special features and content on Patreon next year. And we definitely want you to be a part of that. So look, man, this year has certainly been an adventure I mean, I'm just so excited. I'm um, appreciative, you know, that we have this platform and it continues to grow and people have accepted our style, our yeah. flow, the content, you know, all of that. But I think it might be time for us just to raise our cups, yes. you know, and just celebrate surviving this year. Um, I know that. This has been a struggle for all of us. 2020 has been an MF. Yeah, it has been, right? And it continues to keep giving, right? But we also acknowledge that some of um, our listeners and some of our own families haven't been able to get through this pandemic the way that we you know, wish they would. So we want to be respectful to them, but also respectful to you all for being able to listen to us. And we want to be able to just to say this, hoping for great things in the new year, hoping that you continue to advocate for yourself and that we continue to build our village stronger and stronger. stronger. Yes. So, so again, 
Thanks for joining us on Secrets and can't wait till February yeah, when we we'll kick see off season number two. Season number two. Take care, everybody. Thank you all for listening today. Hopefully you gained a secret or two that can be applied as your journey continues. If you are motivated and excited after listening to Keith and Ricky, please subscribe to our podcast, share with friends, and donate via Patreon. Check us out at www.secrets.com to get more information about our secret services. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.